The search for scrimmage secrets is about over after uh, a long 48 hours in the wilderness trying to figure out what's going on. The podcast daily is kicking off Monday in the week to get ready for Ryan Day's press conference. You know what that means. It's time for questions for the headman. We will get with the get some of those with both Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham in with me, Austin Ward, to get things going. So we didn't see the scrimmage, Bill. So that means we've got a ton of questions about what happened. Question number one, did Ohio State win? Mm. Mm. Which, a joke that I'm really mad Burn beat me to, by the way, on the board at OhioStateRivals.com because I had it teed up, baby. I was ready to go, and Burn got it, to, got it there first. He doesn't mess well, around. Yeah. It's such a weird thing to ask. Like, I mean, I get people want like updates on stuff, and, and I understand you know, expecting us to have it, but there's, there is a fine line that has to be walked when what you talk to people about, what your verse is allowed to say, versus what's really important versus what's not at all important. So, um, you know, I figured the most important thing was that Ohio State won and there was no reports of anybody being seriously injured, which is the most important thing about any of these preseason scrimmages. What's strange to me as someone who's now been doing this for close to 20 years is that these scrimmages, and maybe not specific to Ohio State, but like other places I've covered, it's like they bring this sports information crew out. They keep stats for it. You know, the media would be allowed to watch. Now, this was 20 years ago. Like the paranoia sort of disappeared. It's like you had detailed play-by-play. I remember going in to watch one in Neyland Stadium uh, for Tennessee one year. It was like, here's the stats from the scrimmage. Like, well, cool. Thank you. This is wonderful. What an experience. Imagine if on Saturday at noon, in our email inbox, it was like Kyle McCord and Devin Brown stats from the scrimmage. How cool would that have been? That would have been great. I also noticed too that like Iowa held a practice in Kinnick Stadium when there were fans there. I guess Ohio State couldn't do that this past weekend because Morgan Wallen had that place locked down. Um, but uh, hopeful in the future, maybe now that now that we know that Ohio State is willing to let fans in to the Woody to watch practice, um, maybe in the future we can get one of these scrimmages on a Saturday Saturday in the shoe before the season starts. How much I'm not going to complain that much. I'm not going to complain that much. Like I think about like our brethren in the media who cover like Michigan, for example, and they get zilch zip. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I'm not, I, I think that there is some thing to be said about how much Ohio state allows us to do, but I would love for them to just say, Hey, you know what? We trust that you're not going to tell people all the plays we're running. You can come in and watch this scrimmage. <laughs> like, I think that would be important. How much would you pay to watch it? A Saturday scrimmage, uh, I'd pay, uh, I'd pay 30, 30 bucks, maybe 40, 30 beans. Yeah. That's what the I fans d- paid to watch the first <laughs> practice of camp when they weren't even wearing full pads. Yeah. Cause I, I, I also th- like, what's the spring game? Like five bucks. I think, um, I think seven with inflation, sorry, seven with inflation. Thank you. Um, the, uh, the, August scrimmage, I think, would be a more entertaining show than the spring game in April. So I'd pay more to watch that. 100%. Berm, how many beans? Yeah. Uh, do I have to do a snap judgments after or, or work afterward? <laughs> or can I watch the practice? Yeah. Can no, I watch the work. scrimmage and, and have a few brews and oh, work? Uh, I would not pay anything to have to go to work. <laughs> that seems like a negative proposition. I. I would like to be what if paid you, for work, not paid if, for work. We've done shows where we drink. What if you did snappy J's off of the scrimmage where you had some beers? There you go. Okay. I'm down for that. I'll pay I'll pay for the beer. Okay. I don't <laughs> want to pay for the access to, okay. to watch it. Got it. 
Fair All enough. right. Bill, kick off our normal uh, Ryan Day press conference preview with a question, and it can't be about the quarterbacks or the offensive line. Okay, that's fair. Um, I I want to know more about how they're viewing Taiwan Malone, um, especially in this world where we, we know that something's up with Tyleek Williams where he, he got hurt on the first day of practice when we were out there and we went out a week later. He wasn't even like visible anywhere. Um, I don't believe. I don't think he was inside. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, was he inside? He was inside. He was one of the three scholarship guys inside. Yeah. Okay. So he's so he's out of practice and we don't know what that that is. So I guess like maybe we should get a prognosis from Ryan Day if he's willing to give one. Um, but Taiwan, like every time we go out there, like she just looks like super explosive. I watched him and Kenyatta Jackson go through the same drill, and like I like everyone else, am very high on Kenyatta Jackson for a lot of reasons. But part of it is just the way that he moves for a man of his size. So he went through, and then Taiwan went went through right after him. I was like, that kind of looks similar, like different body types, different ways of of going about things. Obviously, they're not the same exact player, but in terms of fluidity of movement, I was pretty impressed by Taiwan Malone. So um, I think there is more of an opening there for him to be. Not just like a back end of the rotation guy, but maybe he's a guy who's who's pushing to play equal defensive tackle kind of snaps with people like Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton and, and Tyleek should he get on the mend and, and start to contribute. So he is he's more, looks to me like more of an impact player than I would have um, guessed initially for this first year on campus. But I would like to pick Ryan Day's brain a little bit on that because I'm wondering if what he has seen matches up with what I've seen on a smaller sample size. Yeah, Taiwan was a top 100 prospect coming out of high school. So you know that the ingredients are there for something really special. So um, Ohio State clearly finding a way to use him in a, it, you know, more is a good thing. That's why like my question is staying with the defensive line is, is there any world where Jack Sawyer is not a surefire starter opposite JT2 Malowau? Or is there a real chance for Kenyatta Jackson to actually push and become the guy opposite JT because from talking to people from hearing things over the weekend, like there was a lot of buzz about what Kenyatta Jackson did on the field on Saturday um, and what he's done all off season. And I, I don't know if it means it's not necessarily a negative for Jack that he's doing something wrong, but at some point you do wonder if maybe there's a more natural fit with an edge rusher like Kenyatta Jackson opposite a, you know, a traditional strong side defensive end like JT, as opposed to having two basically strong side defensive ends out there at the same time. So I'm wondering if there's an opportunity there to move things around on the defensive line in order to keep Kenyatta on the field, because I think his explosiveness provides a different element for the defense that we haven't seen since Chase Young in 2019. My thoughts were going to the defensive line as well for Ohio State after a week and a half of camp. Um, and, and a lot of it was just seeing Mike Hall with a heavily taped ankle uh, and then going down briefly in that Friday viewing window. Uh, I mean, he's gone through practice. He didn't like sit out any of those dr- drills really after going down on Friday. Um, we went through the, you know, Zapruder, Zapruder style breakdown of the clips that were shared by Ohio state. He looked like he was out there and dressed on Saturday. Um, so I don't think that it's necessarily anything serious going on there, but coming off of last year where, uh, Ohio State was so careful with his reps and so guarded about what was going on with him physically. I'd like to know a little bit more about what that looks like for him going into the opener. He is so important for the for tapping into the highest ceiling for Ohio State's defense. Uh, and right along with that is, you know, Mitchell Melton on day one. It was, they were clearly being a little cautious with him. He got stretched out a little bit during individual periods early on in that. Again, we're just talking about two specific days, but it did look like 
one week later, he was doing more. He got a silver bullet of the day honor from Jim Knowles. What does his role look like at this point? Is that Jack related? Is it going to be uh, on the edge? Uh, what does that look like as Ohio State, you know, brings in Arvell Reese to help supplement some of the depth and Joshua Mickens doing, you know, work there? I have a lot of questions, like basically about the entire group, except for JT. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they will, because like in spring ball, it does seem like they, they start to pare down reps as you get deeper into it. Can you do that in the fall? Like, I, I don't know. When you're ramping up to a game, I, I kind of almost feel like they should like get through get through the first scrimmage. We have another good practice, and then put all the really important guys in bubble wrap, and then we'll see in <laughs> Bloomington in two weeks. Right. Um, but that's probably not realistic. But there definitely needs to be a balance there because you need to, with a lot of these positions, get get people to the finish line and, and healthy for the start of the season. But I think with a guy like Mike Hall, it is probably more imperative than it is for most. And I'd like to know, you know. Caden Curry, we saw some of the changes physically. Berm has talked about him a ton with the motor and the upside. Um, is he fourth there? Uh, do you want to move him around and do jack things? Like We mentioned him a year ago as a candidate to maybe do that, and it seemed like Ohio State was resistant to that idea. I, I, if you're paring down the rotation, what does that mean for somebody like Caden Curry who would be in that bubble of fourth or fifth in the pecking order? Is it possible? I, w- I wanted to ask you guys this because I, I – I'm wondering about how we should take that. Like Ryan Day has now said several times about paring down the rotation. I don't know if you use those words exactly, but that was the general idea on the defensive line. Is it possible that they still play like as many guys as they played last year, but that the guys that they play this year are just better and that's okay? Like, do you, do you actually think that JT Tuimolowau is going to be playing 60 snaps a game or? Is the guy who is Kenyatta Jackson, if that's who's rotating in behind, or Caden Curry, or Mitchell Melton, or CJ Hicks in the Jack? Like, is is that level of play just elevated enough that they can still rotate as much as they did last year, but have it be more effective? Uh, uh, I don't think you have to rotate as much as you did a year ago, but you can still feel more confident that when you do have to rotate, the guys that are coming in are better. Um, mm. I, I, you know, Austin has said it a few times, but for a player like JT Tumaloa, like he has to play until he can't play. He has to play until he. It needs until he needs a break, not until you want to give him a break. Um, yeah. N- now that being the case, you should feel more confident in what you have out of Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson and Jack Sawyer. But it, it the problem a year ago was keeping in guys in situations where they clearly were not the best player for that situation, and you were doing it to try to manage egos and like that. That's a bad way to handle it, and I, I think. You know, we could go down the list of guys on the Ohio State roster, maybe uh, at spe- specifically at defensive line, where maybe the Buckeyes got better by attrition. Uh, and, you know, you are forced to play some of these other guys like um, uh, Ty Hamilton more often, like Taiwan Malone, like Hero Canoe, like Ty, you know, how do you find a way to, you're not replacing Michael Hall with someone who shouldn't be on the Ohio State roster anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, a different take. Now, the defensive end, like, I think it's just going to be situational how much you rotate as opposed to, um, you know, sending in different waves of people because you only have four defensive ends that, that you can put out there. Josh Mickens is not going to play at defensive end this year for Ohio State. Arvell Reese is not going to play in games when it matters. So if you're talking about who you're throwing out there when it matters, there are only four defensive ends that you can put out there. So I think you're forced to rotate less. Both of you used a word that I think is really important here, which is situational. Now, I know, and I've said before, that there were people in the Woody, not just me talking about the rotation, that were frustrated with the number of total reps 
that the top end guys got. But let's set that aside. The times that I was most bewildered, befuddled, and baffled about Ohio State's rotation last year was if you had somebody, let's say Notre Dame, and they have first and 10 inside their five-yard line. And let's just say maybe you roll out Javante Jean-Baptiste and uh, let's just stick there. Just let's, let's just stay there. Javante Jean-Baptiste. I don't care who else. Why would you be doing that in high leverage situations? That's the stuff that made no sense to me. And apologies to Javante Jean-Baptiste that he's taking the, the shrapnel here, but they were rolling out second and third team guys in that situation repeatedly and have for multiple years. So to to answer your question, Bill, they, you can't just go through a season with two defensive ends playing every snap. I know that. I get that. I understand it. And it would be unfair to ask JT to do it. It would probably put him in a situation where he could get hurt and not make it through the year. I understand that there are situations that he's going to have to come off the field. I think the big, single biggest frustration in watching Ohio State manage that last year is not taking advantage of high leverage situations where they could change the game and putting themselves at a disadvantage. And then even once they would let them out, out of the tw- inside the 20, they'd stick with that same rotation all the way down the field. <laughs> Yeah. So that has to stop. Yeah, you know, we're, we're on the same page. I agree with you. It's not it's not that they rotate, it's when they rotate. Um I think I think any healthy good dominant defensive line has some element of rotation with its players. Um there needs to be yeah. more strategy behind it than I think Ohio State displayed last year. I think is what we're it, agreed It about. can't be indiscriminate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't just be like, well, we pre-planned this, so let's just run these guys out there. And I think it's obvious because Ryan Day is making it a point to talk about this stuff that it is a a problem that the entire program thinks needs to be remedied because I don't believe Ryan Day would be making that a public talking point if he didn't think it was a real problem. Okay, that's um, a very deep defensive line talk. What else <laughs> is on your mind, Bill? Uh, a couple things. I, I'll, I, I'll stay away from the offensive line, I guess, because um, we've talked a lot about it, but... Um, I'm I am wondering about the running back situation. One, like, was Mayan Williams able to participate in the scrimmage on Saturday? And to what extent did he do so? And then like who kind of popped from that group? Um, I thought we, we saw a pretty good practice from Evan Pryor on Friday. Did that carry over to the Saturday scrimmage? Um, really, how do they all look? I, I don't know that we're gonna get a ton of clarity on exactly what that pecking order is going to look like, and it will probably change throughout the year, as we know about the nature of that position. Um, I'm sure that they feel very good about the depth they have in that room. Uh, I'm wondering if at this point in camp, and perhaps it's too early, if if the top end of that uh, pecking order has become any more clear than it was going into camp, and how does whatever's going on with my Mayan, excuse me, complicate that? Hmm. Yeah, because he wasn't he was not there on Friday right. at right. at all. So that is that does make it interesting. He was not one of the scholarship guys working out inside. That was. Jaden Bonsu and Tyleek Williams, and um, y- you're hoping to figure out just some semblance of what's what's going on there. Um, I do want to ask about the offensive line there. I want I know people are going to talk about it, and I yep. it's not about hey, are you concerned about this? Because obviously everyone's going to be concerned that you don't have a functioning um, backup group if you need it. My question is, are we being unfair when based on what we saw on Friday? Um, it, is it possible? I suppose everything's possible, but is it likely that we overreacted to those guys having one bad practice and 
Um, it just happens to be the day we're all there to watch it because I don't think that um, I don't think people should assume or expect that we want to go on a podcast and say these guys were not very good because that's not something I want to do. I, I know these kids and their families. It's not like it's a nice thing to to have to say. But was Friday just an anomaly, or is Friday something that we've you know going to have to come to expect because? I do think that there's at least a potential chance that we just caught them on a, you know, a down day. And mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping that was the case because uh, we, you know, it was ugly. I don't. Yeah. Maybe we're being unfair about the individual evaluations and the depth of the offensive line. I think my, what was uncomfortable to watch, and this is probably true, almost certainly true of every team in the country. If you just go watch the second team offensive line, they're not going to be as good as the first team offensive line anywhere. That's pretty yeah. natural, right? That makes a lot of sense. Ohio State's depth, I feel like, is much better than maybe we're getting credit for. And you don't get a feel for that by watching the next five guys all go head-to-head against JT Tuimoloau and Mike Hall. If Enoch Vamahi has to go in and fill in at guard for Matthew Jones um, or Donovan Jackson, I think Ohio State would feel okay about that. If they are of the mindset that Tegra Shibola is pushing for one of the starting jobs with uh, Josh Simmons, that means they probably feel pretty good about the third tackle that's in line. Uh, if Vic Cutler is making it a legitimate battle with Carson Hinsman at, at center, that's good. Like That's a positive. So those three guys, if they were taking reps with the first-team offensive line, we'd probably have a very different picture. You'd say, oh, that, that looks pretty good when he's got, uh, you know, this veteran, Donovan Jackson on his left side or whatever else, like evaluating them as a collective second team group is definitely unfair. They're not going to be as good. So yeah, I suppose the whole is guaranteed to be less than the, than the, some of the parts. And I think that it compounded it when we were talking on Friday, which we definitely didn't want to do that. It wasn't our idea. Like, Hey, this first week of camp has been really positive. Let's go nuts on them today. <laughs> like that, that wasn't the idea, but when you're putting Kyle McCord or Devin Brown behind that second team offensive line, which collectively then is not as good as the starters, bad things can happen. And I think that was what I thought was off putting. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I, I do think, I don't, I don't know if I would use a term overreact, but there's probably like a question of fairness. Was it fair to like try to evaluate that group as a whole when um, it wasn't, it wasn't really the, you're never going to see a situation where all five off- backup offensive linemen are playing together. It was also pointed sure out to me. Not. Uh, yeah, sure hope not. Not. yeah, it was pointed Lines, out to me. It's maybe, a line change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was pointed out to me. Maybe it was to you guys as well after the fact that like there were walk-ons mixing into with that group at times. So um, why you would have that group go up against JT and Mike Hall, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I don't I, – I did – you know, that – video was watched by a lot of people and aggregated a few different places so i think it is probably worth mentioning that um perhaps in the moment we got a little carried away with something that is not super important or um a real reflection of of reality i think you can pick out two or three individuals who are quote-unquote reserves on that offensive line that would actually provide ohio state some pretty good depth but maybe they don't have 10 and if you want that's 10, why it's then, called then, snap then I, judgments, right? Yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you want ten, like, you maybe feel bad, but they don't. They probably have six or seven or eight. Yeah. It was an immediate response to walking. I mean, we filmed that like 
two minutes after walking off the practice field. So it was fresh. There wasn't a lot of time for like, <laughs> you know, really letting yeah. it wash over you and, and, and think about exactly what we saw. But, you know, I do want to make sure that we're being fair about it and, and being level about it without um, giving people reason to panic. But I think that that it's the same question though, goes into, is this the best way for Kyle McCord and Devin Brown to be evaluated when you're like, are you intentionally putting them in, in dangerous situations to see how they respond <laughs> or like uh, how, you know, is there something that can be done to give you a better look to give you an apples to apples comparison? Because it's, you know, if you are putting one of them behind the backup offensive line, and then the other one's behind the starters, the guy behind the starters is going to look better period. And, and that's what we saw on Friday. So um, I guess I'm just wondering if they had a different approach on Saturday. Uh, there is a schedule change. So as we've mentioned, we're, these questions are for Ryan Day, and he is speaking today, Monday, to start the week. Uh, originally, he was planned for Wednesday. And I think a lot of people thought that maybe, well, that Ryan Day is ready to make a grand announcement. On Saturday morning, I texted Jerry Emig to ask if maybe he would consider moving Ryan Day to today, Monday, to talk about the scrimmage and give some insight because the alternative would be whatever position group had to talk on Monday was going to get asked nothing but questions about the scrimmage. And that would be pretty unfair of them to have to weigh in on the quarterbacks if they aren't quarterbacks. Um, now, I didn't make this happen. Jerry said that he had already talked to Ryan Day and that they were considering that move already because of the exact reason that I brought up. So they were proactive about it. So it does not mean that at 11.30 later today, Monday, that Ryan Day is going to name a starting quarterback. He could, but that's not the reason that the schedule change was made. I thought it was to name a left tackle and a right tackle. Mm -hmm. so it's they definitely an option. Names. <laughs> oh, well, do they? Because one guy apparently is named Jimmy when his name is Josh. <laughs> no, that is a concern for me personally. I don't understand. Like, I, I, I thought it was a joke at first. That we were supposed to call him Jimmy, but now, like, People are really calling him Jimmy, and so I'm a little bit concerned that this is like real, and we have to stop calling him Josh. It's yeah. hard enough to not call him Joshua. Now I can't even call yeah. Josh. You have been getting What's his name wrong right from from the start, from the first time we met him. It's like, where did you pull Joshua from? It doesn't say that anywhere. I just, I just think it's proper. Well, now we're gonna have to call him James Simmons. I only call people by their full legal name, right, William? That's right. Uh, uh, no, nope. my, my legal name uh, is Jeremy. Jeremetrius, yeah. My, my legal name is Jeremy. All right, well, there will not, be... Not Jeremiah, because that would make me an Ohio State wide receiver target. And <laughs> Ohio State is cornering the market on duplicate names. I think they're... The, is that part of the recruiting blueprint, Berm? Like, you've got that Why same not? first name of the other guy. We want multiples. Makes it easier. I guess to remember got doubles of the Barracuda. Oh, that deal just went through. I got triples of the Barracuda. Maybe, maybe this is a response to like remembering when urban Meyer was the head coach. And you just like, there's a pretty good chance. He's not going to remember this guy's first name. So let's just <laughs> narrow it down <laughs> and find less names, Ugh. you know? Yeah. All right. So Ryan day will be on the microphone later on uh, today as the week gets rolling here on the podcast. We will have a stream set up for that. Right. Berm. Yes. And then we will have some snappy J's after that, right, Bill? Correct. And a lot more content coming and all then, week. Then we go to Roosters. Then we'll be at Roosters. And don't miss that. It's a lot of content coming as we 
uh, unpack what we learned about the Ohio State scrimmage and get ready about the midway point here until the opener, middle of August now, and uh, the countdown is on. So uh, stay tuned for all of that right here on the podcast. Uh, however you find it, we appreciate you joining us and spending part of your day with us. For Bill and Berm, I am Austin. We will talk to you later.